We are beginning the Gemara on Chavtes Amel Aleph 29a1 in the article Gemara. The Gemara has a few, few more lines left in its commentary on the Mishnah, on the previous Mishnah that we just learned in last week's recording. And so we will review the Mishnah uh, briefly and then we will continue on in the Gemara. The Mishnah taught us about the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. Before Rabbi Shimon, we understood that in, if there's a case of Achos Zigukaso, so essentially the cases where two brothers marry two sisters and there is an additional brother, so if those two brothers pass away, the first opinion says that we require Chalitza. You are not allowed to do Yibam because there's a rabbinic prohibition to do Yibam, to get married because it's, the, it's Zikuka, you have a bond to both, and that bond on a rabbinic level is sort of like a marriage. And so therefore, just like you're not allowed to marry your wife's sister, you're also not allowed to marry your Zakuk's sister. And they're both sisters to each other, and they're both connected to you. And so therefore, you can't do Yibam, and so therefore, you, we require Chalitza. Reb Shimon, however, argues. Reb Shimon is the new opinion of the Mishnah. He argues, and he says there's a total exemption from the Torah. There's a, a, he's a Torah, a biblical exemption, completely both from Yibam and from Chalitza. You do not have to do anything in such a circumstance where two brothers marry two sisters or anything like that, where two brothers, let's say, marry a mother and daughter, a mother and a granddaughter, there is a total exemption, as we explained last week. It's based off of a verse in the Torah and how Rabbi Shimon understands that verse in the Torah. Okay, so there's a total exemption according to Rabbi Shimon. The next line of the Mishnah says, even according to Rabbi Shimon, we say, let's say... We have two brothers who marry two sisters, and then there's a third brother. The two brothers pass away. Mrs. Reuven and Mrs. Shimon now fall to Levi. But Levi's mother-in-law is Mrs. Reuven. So if Levi's mother-in-law is Mrs. Reuven, then there is no Zika. There is no bond. There is no connection whatsoever. So then even according to Reb Shimon, we will say that you're allowed to do Yibam uh, Levi with Mrs. Shimon. Because since Mrs. Reuven, there's no connection whatsoever to Levi, because it's his mother-in-law, so therefore, he could do Yibam with Mrs. Shimon. That was case number two, which we also discussed in last week's recording. Case number three, we will discuss today. Case number three was Isra Mitzvah, Isra Kedusha, that if we have a rabbinic prohibition that, the, between Levi, the live brother, and Mrs. Ruvain, if there's a rabbinic prohibition or even a biblical prohibition, uh, but it's not a severe biblical prohibition, and so therefore, uh, the reason why we don't do Yibam is for rabbinic concerns, but not on a biblical level, but it's a rabbinic concern. So therefore, even according to Reb Shimon, the law is, uh, because it's a case of Isra Mitzvah, it's a, there's a rabbinic prohibition to uh, do Yibam, uh, there's a rabbinic prohibition to do Yibam with Mrs. Ruvain, so therefore the law is that you have to do Chalitza with both. You have to do Chalitza with both Mrs. Ruvain and Mrs. Shimon, even according to Reb Shimon which is what our Gemara is going to discuss. This is very strange, because according to Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon is of the opinion that on a biblical level, they have this connection, they're both sisters, and there's already this bond. So on a biblical level, we shouldn't, you're ex- totally exempt from Yibam, from Chalitza, you are totally exempt. But all of a sudden, now that there's this rabbinic prohibition, so let's say it's a certain distant relative where there's no biblical prohibition, but there is a rabbinic prohibition uh, to marry each other, and so now that there's this rabbinic prohibition, even though on a biblical level there's a total exemption, but because on a rabbinic level there's this uh, there's this uh, prohibition to do yibum, 
Even though on a biblical level there's also a prohibition to do yibum, there's a prohibition to do yibum, and you're exempt from chalitza on a biblical level. But because on a rabbinic level there's this iser mitzvah, for some reason even Rabbi Shimon will say that you have to do chalitza to both, both to Mrs. Ruvain who you are related to on a rabbinic level, and to Mrs. Shimon who you're not related to at all. You have to do chalitza to both, and this is very strange. Why would you have to do chalitza to both? According to Rabbi Shimon, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to do yibum. You don't have to do chalitza, and so that's what the Gemara asks. On the top of Chavtesamalaf, I don't understand. Rabbi Shimon says you don't have to do anything. So why all of a sudden over here, in the case of Isra Mitzvah, we say that you would have to do Chalitza, not just Chalitza to one, but Chalitza to both. What's the idea? So the Gemara says, no, Gzer Mishum, Isra Mitzvah Di'ama. I'll tell you what the concern is, says the Gemara. The concern is that if there's a total exemption, you know, some people might think that this rabbinic prohibition to uh, to your relative, because it's a, it's a relative where on a rabbinic level there's a prohibition to marry. So maybe the reason why they're not doing anything is really because, it's not because there happens to be there's two sisters. The person hearing about the case, they might not have heard about the two sisters, but they hear that uh, Levi and Mrs. Ruvain, it's not an immediate relative, but it's a relative which has a rabbinic prohibition, and and they're not doing yibum, they're not doing chalitza, they're not doing anything. That means in all cases where uh, there is this rabbinic prohibition, it's a total exemption, just like in a case of regular erva, of a, of a biblical uh, incest, we say that there's a total exemption. Those are the first 15 cases of the first Mishnah. So a person might come to the conclusion and say, you know what, the same thing applies with regards to the rabbinic prohibitions as well. And how do I know that? Because there is a total exemption in that case. But, it, but that person didn't realize that the reason for the total exemption was really not because of that. If it's a rabbinic prohibition, so then you would have to require chalitza. But the reason why there was a total exemption in that case was because of Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon holds that two sisters who fall to Yibam, there's a total exemption. But it's not because of the rabbinic prohibition between Levi and Mrs. Shimon. That has nothing to do with it. But the outsider doesn't realize that. The outsider doesn't realize Rabbi Shimon's opinion. And the outsider that hears about the case will think that, you know what, we could allow uh, a Mrs. Ruvain if it's a case where uh, the, it's not a case of two sisters, but it's just a regular case, and they happen to have a rabbinic prohibition for them to marry each other, that you don't have to do anything. That's what we're concerned that it will come to. And so therefore, because of that concern, the Mishnah says, do chalitza. Even though you don't have to do chalitza, fundamentally you don't have to do chalitza, but just to get out of this concern, do chalitza, so that nobody would think that in Isra Mitzvah, a case where there's a rabbinic prohibition, that you don't have to do anything. So do chalitza anyways. The Gemara says, okay, fine. Mar says, okay, I understand for the Isra Mitzvah, the one who has that rabbinic prohibition between Levi and Mrs. Reuven, that you have to do chalitza because we don't want people to uh, to get confused. But why does he have to do chalitza to Mrs. Shimon? He's not related to Mrs. Shimon. Nobody's going to get confused when it comes to Mrs. Shimon. Mrs. Shimon's not related to Levi. What's the concern? So the Gemara says, no, there is a concern. We're concerned because if we say you don't have to do chalitza to Mrs. Shimon, then you know what? Maybe you won't actually even do chalitza to Mrs. Reuven. You're not going to end up doing chalitza to Mrs. Reuven because once you don't have to do anything to one, and we know Rabbi Shimon says you don't have to do anything at all, so we're concerned that people are just going to forget and they're not going to do chalitza even to Mrs. Reuven, to the one that you are rabbinically related to. Uh, so therefore, because of that, we say, you know what? Do chalitza to both just so that you remember to do chalitza. Do chalitza to both. That will solve, uh, that will solve uh, the problem. The Gemara then says... The Gemara says, oh, we're going to make all these all these concerns, all these gzeras, these rabbinic concerns that we have. 
You tell me that we have a rabbinic concern that we want to make sure that the case that there has a rabbinic prohibition, do chalitza anyways, even though you don't have to, according to Rabbi Shimon, and do it so that in another case, people won't all of a sudden think that uh, in a case where there's a rabbinic prohibition, you don't have to do anything. So we're going to say do chalitza. Not only do chalitza to her, but also do chalitza to her sister, so that we know that chalitza is taking place. But we don't find that. <laughs> An easy case where we don't find that is the second case of the Mishnah, really. The second case is you have two sisters. One of them is not just a rabbinic prohibition, it's a biblical prohibition. It's a severe biblical prohibition. Let's say Levi's mother-in-law is Mrs. Rubin. So we say Levi could do Yibam to Mrs. Shimon. Levi could do, could do Yibam to Mrs. Shimon. But why don't we say that you have to do something to the erva, to Mrs. Ruven. We should say that you'd have to do chalitza to Mrs. Ruven. Because if you don't do chalitza to Mrs. Ruven, people might think that you don't have to do anything to Mrs. Shimon. We don't say that, oh, you're not doing anything to Mrs. Ruven, the one that's your mother-in-law. Then people will all of a sudden think, oh, Mrs. Shimon also goes free. People don't, people don't think, well, we don't say that. We don't say that there's a, there's, there's a concern there, so therefore do chalitza to your mother-in-law, so that to make sure that you do chalitza or yibam to the other one. We don't say that. So, so too, in our case, uh, why should we say that you should do chalitza to the one who's not the relative, just to make sure that you do chalitza to the one that is the rabbinic relative? We, we're not concerned for these things. We see from the Arabic case, from the one that uh, there is a biblical prohibition, that we don't say you don't have to, we don't say you have to do chalitza. We see that we're not concerned for this. My answer is, I'll tell you why. There's a big difference, shiny erva. The gemir gemir la inchi vikala isla. When it comes to a biblical prohibition, when it comes to a mother-in-law, everyone knows that's uh, it's, it's yadua, it's known, it's out there. And when it comes to a mother-in-law, everyone knows that this is a severe biblical prohibition, and everyone knows that there's a total exemption from yibum and from chalitza. You cannot do anything. There's an exemption from yibum and chalitza, and so therefore. Everyone knows about that, and so therefore, everyone is already going to know that there's only really one person who's involved. Mrs. Rubin is totally out of the question. Mrs. Rubin, who is Levi's mother-in-law, is just out of this picture. All there is is Mrs. Shimon, and no one's going to make a mistake and say, oh, Mrs. Shimon, what are we going to do? Maybe there's a total exemption here, just like Mrs. Rubin. No, there's a clear difference between Mrs. Rubin and Mrs. Shimon. And so therefore, Mrs. Shimon, we will say uh, that you have to do Yibam or Chalitza to Mrs. Shimon. That's with regards to the Arabic case. But with regards to our case, the third case of the Mishnah, the third case of the Mishnah is not a biblical, severe biblical prohibition of incest. This is a rabbinic prohibition, a rabbinic prohibition of a family relative. And since it's a, it's a rabbinic prohibition, not everybody knows about it. And so then we are concerned, we are concerned that if you don't do anything uh, to, to Mrs. Shimon, to the one that you're not related to, so then people might say, oh, you don't have to do anything to Mrs. Ruvain either. Mrs. Ruvain, who is you're related to on a rabbinic level, you don't have to do anything either. People people might, in fact, say that. When we say, no, you have to do something because we're afraid that if you don't do anything, then it will cause real problems down the line where people will say, uh, anytime where there's a rabbinic prohibition, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to do even with chalitza. So we say, you have to do chalitza. But not everybody knows about these laws. And so therefore, people might get confused and say, if you don't do anything to Mrs. Shimon, you might not have to do anything to Mrs. Ruvain. So we say, you know what, do chalitza to both. You could, you should do chalitza to both. Okay, that concludes the Gemara and the Gemara's commentary on the Mishnah. And so we will begin the next Mishnah. The next Mishnah will take us till the end of the week with the Gemara. And it's a very, very interesting topic. Uh, this new Mishnah is going to bring out some interesting broader issues. Uh, we will discuss Mamar. Mamar we've mentioned in the past. But essentially, yibum, the way to do yibum is 
by having bia, by having marital relations, sexual relations. That is how a person fulfills yibum uh, on a biblical level. There's also a concept called ma'amar. Ma'amar seems to be a form of an engagement. That's what it seems like. The Gemara will discuss this later on uh, in, in this week's recording. Uh, but it's some form of an engagement. And we'll see that it seems to be that there's a dispute whether this is a biblical idea or a rabbinic idea. Um, but it's some, it's some form of a rabbinic engagement. And so this is going to broaden the topic with regards to, as we'll see in future recordings, uh, what does it mean to be engaged? So let's say it's an engagement versus married. And some of the practical differences in a regular marriage, we have the engagement first, and then we have the marriage, a halachic engagement, and that has various ramifications. If you are halachically engaged, that has halachic implications. And then once you get fully married, so then that also has halachic implications. And so the same thing is potentially true with regards to mamar when it comes to this yibum situation. So we could look at it as though you first get engaged through mamar. Mamar is uh, the is the engagement part of it. It's not the uh, sexual act, but it's it's the rabbinic part of it. And then the yibum is the is the actual marriage. Uh, that is the marital relations. That is the actual uh, completion of the marriage between the Yavam and the Yavama, between the brother-in-law and the sister-in-law, that's what creates uh, the marriage. And so, uh, on a bigger, uh, broader scale, the, there's a discussion here really centers around how parallel these two are, regular engagement to regular marriage versus Ma'amar and Yibam, and also the differences between uh, engagement, halachic engagement, and halachic marriage. Now, just as a side note, uh, today... Uh, we do both the uh, the engagement, the halachic engagement, and the halachic marriage. Both take place essentially under the chuppah. Both take place under the chuppah. The giving of the ring is the engagement, and then being under the chuppah, being under one house, uh, is really the marriage. The marriage is that you are living together, that you're living under one house together, and that is the marriage. And the giving of the ring is the engagement. And so, the halachic differences really only exist for about two minutes because the <laughs> Time difference between the engagement and the marriage is about uh, two, two to five minutes. Uh, but it used to be that it was a lot longer. It used to be in the times of the Gemara, it would be uh, a year-long engagement until they actually got married. Okay, let's see the Mishnah. Shlosha Achin. So we have three brothers, Reuven, Shimon, and Levi. Reuven and Shimon are married to two sisters, Mrs. Reuven and Mrs. Shimon. Levi is not married. So let's say one of the sisters, not both, but one of the sisters dies. So let's say Mrs. Ruvain, Ruvain dies. Sorry, one of the husbands of the sisters. So Ruvain dies without children. And Levi, the one who is not married to the other sister, he does ma'amar. He does this form of ma'amar. And then after he did ma'amar, he didn't do yibum yet, he just did ma'amar. Then Shimon dies. And so Mrs. Shimon now is available for yibum. However, uh, Levi already did Mamar. So there's a dispute here. Beishamai Omer. Beishamai says, Ishto imo valzu Beishamai is a unique opinion. Beishamai says, Mamar works, at least the way many understand that Beishamai is that Mamar works even on a biblical level. On a biblical level, it's like they're completely married. It's halakhically like they're completely married. Or, or at least uh, they have this bond of a marriage, perhaps engaged. That will be discussed in a later recording. But it's it's so strong 
that it's it's not just Achosukukaso, it's not just the, that the other one is a sister of your Zakuk, of a certain bond that's created by Yibam, but it's like you're actually married. And if you're actually married, so just like the Mishnah had in the very first Mishnah that if you if your wife's sister is also your your brother's wife and the brother passes away, so there's a total exemption of Yibam because your wife's sister is related is is a relative that you're not allowed to marry. So even though the brother passes away and we allow that type of a sister-in-law to do even with, but we don't allow, if it's also the other type of sister-in-law where it's your wife's sister, so then uh, we do not allow Yibam. There's a total exemption of Yibam and Chalitza. And so Bishame is of the opinion that the same thing would apply here. Since Levi did Mamar first, before Shimon passed away. So Levi did Mamar, so now it's like Levi and Mrs. Ruvain are now married. And then when Shimon passes away, there's a total exemption. A total exemption for Mrs. Shimon because... It's like a sister who fell, but it's, a, it's the wife's sister, and it's a relative. So a relative is totally exempt. That is the opinion of Beishamim. Mama works even, seemingly even on a biblical level. Beis Hillel argues, and we follow the position of Beis Hillel, who says Mama only works on a rabbinic level. It works on a rabbinic level. On a biblical level, you have done nothing. Nothing. Since you didn't do even, you haven't done anything. And so therefore, it's like a regular case of two sisters who fell, and they're both achazukukaso. It's just that Bond of Zika, it's not stronger than that, and therefore there's a, there, we require Chalitza. So he says, Moses Ishto Chalitza. The one that you did Mamar to, the law is that you would have to give a get. Since you did Mamar, you have to give a divorce document and you have to do Chalitza. Because since you already began the process, so therefore, therefore we require also a get, the divorce document, and to do Chalitza. But when it comes to the, so for Mrs. Ruvain, you would have to, you did Mamar to Mrs. Ruvain, you have to give a get, a divorce document, and Chalitza. For Mrs. Shimon, we only uh, we only re- require chalitza. Chalitza is necessary, but the point is that you have to do something. That we don't say that there's a total exemption here. You have to do something because ma'amar does not work on a biblical level. On a biblical level, you're still connected to both. You're connected to both on a rabbinic level. So ma'amar works, but not on a biblical level. And the Mishnah concludes by saying, Zui sh'amru, oilo elishto oilo al eshes echav. Woe unto his own wife, meaning the one that he did mamar to, and woe unto him over his brother's wife. But woe unto him for Mrs. Ruvain, who he did mamar to. He already had created a connection because now they have to get divorced. And woe unto him for Mrs. Shimon because now he cannot do yibum. Because according to Beis Hillel, mamar is only rabbinic. And so therefore on a biblical level, uh, we require chalitza because it's a case where two sisters fell uh, to the third brother, to Levi. Okay, that is the Mishnah. So again, there's a dispute here. It's an important Mishnah. There's a dispute here between Beis Hillel and Beis Shammai. To what extent does Ma'amar work? How far do we take uh, Ma'amar? And according to Beis Shammai, it really it's a very it's a very strong bond, uh, perhaps on the level of a marriage, uh, as far as a marriage, on a biblical level. And so therefore, there's a total exemption if Shimon passes away and Mr. Shimon now falls to Yibam. Well, Levi's married to... Uh, to Mrs. Shimon's sister. And so therefore, Mrs. Shimon, is, is, he's allowed to stay married, and Mrs. Shimon is totally exempt from Yibam or Chalitza. And that is the opinion of Beis Hamai. Beis Hillel argues, Beis Hillel, we, we follow the opinion of Beis Hillel, and Beis Hillel says that no, Ma'amar is only rabbinic. On a biblical level, there still is this bond between both Mrs. Reuven and Mrs. Shimon, and they're both sisters, and so therefore, we require Chalitza to be done to both. For Mrs. Reuven, we also require a get, a divorce document, because you already did Ma'amar. But the point is that it's equivalent to all the other cases that we had before, according to Beis Hillel, where it is Achos Zikukoso, where it is the sister of the one that you have that bond with, not a marriage, but that Zika bond 
Uh, and so we will continue with the Gemara in the next recording as it analyzes its opinion of Beishamai and Beishelah.